It's go time. Welcome to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. Don Charbon along with Heath Graham and Pat Mooney. And Nathan Rourke is dominating the headlines by leaving the BC Lions and joining a cat with another color, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Guys, thoughts on the uh, news? Not surprising, in my opinion, that he has signed with an NFL team. The team he has chosen to align with is a little bit of a surprise. I didn't see Jacksonville as a front runner, given that they've got a young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence as the number one guy. First round draft pick, highly touted, has led a big playoff comeback already. I don't see an opportunity for Nathan Rourke to get a lot of substantial playing time behind Trevor Lawrence, and it's it, it's an interesting choice. He's not likely to get playing time, except in preseason. We sometimes see very little of the starters in the NFL preseason, so he's going to get some tape there. And if Trevor Lawrence goes down like he did briefly this year, he'll get a couple games at best. So if he gets three or four games and can get on tape, I think that's important for him to further his NFL career. But on top of it, he's, I think, landed in a good spot because former quarterbacks in Doug Peterson, the head coach, Mike McCoy, an offensive assistant, and Henry Burris, who's also familiar with the CFL. He's landed in a quarterback-friendly team that's not dependent upon running backs. And I think that will help his development if he's able to secure that backup role, which he seems to think he has a legitimate shot to do. It would be great if he did, but my main concern with all of this, I don't want to see him become a Chris Streveler, where you sign a contract, you get a couple of quarters with this team, then you get shoveled off to somebody else, you get a couple looks there, then you get shoveled off, and you start doing the journeyman circuit, where you start wandering around the NFL and you waste away the best years of your career going from team to team to team trying to land a job. I don't see necessarily that's going to happen with Rourke, but I can't preclude that it will. And if it does, from, what is he, 22, 23 now till 26, 27, those are some great years to be a quarterback. You could be absorbing, learning, and being out there. And he had a starting job with the CFL. This is the one thing that Bo Levi Mitchell, when he did his tour a few years back, when he got to Minnesota, General manager there said, hey, you can be holding on a clipboard on this team. No problem. But right now you got a pretty good gig where you are. Wouldn't you rather play and be the man? Nathan Rourke is chasing an opportunity here. He did allude to it in his message to BC Lions fans that this was what he wanted from the start of his career. It was a detour to go through the CFL. Now, I know that has ruffled some feathers with those comments as well. But let's look at the situation in Jacksonville, other than the fact that Trevor Lawrence is the anointed number one player, you've got Mike McCoy and Henry Burris, who both have CFL experience, are familiar with the Canadian game, and can evaluate talent based on that. Henry Burris was going to be working with Nathan Work in BC had he not signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars coaching staff in the offseason as well. So we do discuss at length here that it's sometimes who you know in the NFL and name recognition. So here's a coaching staff that has that CFL pedigree and that knowledge. So you're seeing him get the opportunity based on, I believe, that connection more so than 
a solid opportunity with a team that maybe doesn't have that CFL connection on their coaching staff. I think more it matters to Rourke that those people were there than the other way around. I really think in Rourke's mind, because these guys were aware, had played, understand the Canadian game, they knew about what I did with the BC Lions. Therefore, they're probably going to be better for me to further my career in the NFL. I think if he gets a legitimate shot at that backup role and can secure the backup role, that's where he's going to be able to further that career. If, like Strevler, he ends up in that third string potential practice roster quarterback, then Don, I agree wholeheartedly with you. But if he's able to crack the backup, you can look at a quarterback like Chase Daniel with Los Angeles Chargers. He's played backup his whole career. He's played very few games, and yet he's made $50 million. Like that, that's hard to pass up for any player if they can get that opportunity and make it there. But you're telling me that you went through high school, college, and a year in the CFL so that you could sign with the NFL and not get paid and not have to play anymore? That's why you chose the game of football? No, I I think they all want to start. I'm I'm not saying that he's not wanting to start. He's looking at this as an opportunity to develop his craft so that after this rookie contract that he signed, he can potentially move into, if he gets enough on tape, then he can potentially move into a starting role or a role that's maybe more of a 50-50. He knows behind Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to see the field barring a catastrophic injury to Trevor Lawrence. Even if there's a catastrophic injury to Trevor Lawrence, you don't think there's going to be another quarterback between Rourke and that starting position? The Jaguars will be drafting this year or signing another FA to fill the roster. There's no guarantee with what work signed. He has to earn everything. He is an outsider coming into that situation. Even though there is that CFL coaching staff on board, he still has to work as hard as he did to get the starting job with the BC Lions just to make the roster with the Jacksonville Jaguars. What we are hearing at this point, though, is that he is going to have a legitimate shot at being that number two quarterback. There were upwards of 12 teams interested in his service, but not all of them were likely giving him that opportunity. They were probably touting the idea of a third stringer. Jacksonville has come to him saying, you have a shot to compete for the number two job. Now, how realistic that is, we don't know. But given the coaching staff that are there, I believe it may be the best chance for him to to solidly earn that number two spot based on them knowing what he's bringing to the table and and the caliber of football that he's been competing in. Had he shown up somewhere else along, you know, the Minnesota Vikings were a team that that he tried out for. We talked about the Denver Broncos as well. You don't have as much of that connection to CFL football and it would be very difficult for him to earn that number two job. So we do have to see what happens. You're absolutely right. We don't know what's going to happen in, in the draft and in free agency. There's a lot of moving parts and there may be a name guy that falls in Jacksonville's lap that they can't pass up on and that's going to make his job that much harder. Having said that though, I do believe that a a big name person is also going to attract a bigger salary and I think the Jaguars with the number one pick knowing they're going to have to pay him as it comes through, they're not likely to go out and draft another quarterback. I don't believe they will. If someone comes as a journeyman, they're going to have to come at a big discount for them to be able to 
move forward and compete for the Super Bowl, which is what they want to do. If you can get a backup at a very low price, that allows you to place some money into other players and positions. So you have better opportunity to compete at that highest level. I'm probably way off on this, but is not the NFL salary cap at around 170 million or something like that? There's money within the Jacksonville structure to pay for somebody. In Jacksonville's mind, if they think they're going to be Super Bowl bound in the next two to three seasons, would you think that they're going to take a risk on a guy from the CFL to be the guy that could save them in a dire circumstance to get them to the playoffs or get them to the Super Bowl? Or are they going to look for somebody that's been in this circuit in the NFL and say, we trust you more because at least you know what this game is about and you've played in it and you've performed? We've talked at nauseum about the NFL and their predisposition to choose a name as opposed to uh, someone up and coming. However, if they do give him a true shot and you're you're working on the abilities of quarterbacks and he is able to outcompete another quarterback for that spot, that is the scenario that I think is going to be best for Nathan Rourke. If he can get that opportunity, it's a big if, but if he does get that opportunity, which I think he's led to believe after his meetings with the Jaguars, their coaches, Henry Burris, then it's the opportunity he needs in the NFL. He deserves the chance. I'm not arguing that. I'm biased because I want him to stay with the Canadian Football League. I think it would be better for him and for the league if he did. Let's take a cue from Adam Bighill, who went to the New Orleans Saints. Among us, who would say that he's not NFL ready? And yet, he couldn't make it in. Why? Connections. Connections and size, I think, somewhat in his case, too, which which you could argue Nathan Rourke also has that going against him. It's going to be interesting to watch him develop, and I, I hope it turns out for him. All you need is a chance. Yes, the name, rec- name recognition and that familiarity will get you so far, but look at the San Francisco 49ers right now. They've got Brock Purdy as their number one quarterback, who was the last draft pick they nicknamed them Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft and he is now starting in the playoffs over first round draft pick Trey Lance who hasn't quite developed into that number one guy yet their hope was he was going to be tutored by Jimmy Garoppolo to assume that role they've been thrust into this position now with Brock Purdy who is now a playoff winning quarterback so it's not out of the realm of possibility should something happen to Trevor Lawrence that Nathan Rourke is going to get a chance to step in there and earn his shot. And if it goes well, that's what he's hoping for to develop into getting other teams to look his way. And I think that is a key. If it goes well, if it doesn't, I think he's going to be on a very short leash without the name recognition. So when he gets an opportunity, he's going to need to step up both in the preseason as well as if he's able to step into any season games. If he doesn't do that, I think they're very quickly going to be looking for someone else and he's relegated. It will be very interesting. The other idea, and it just came to mind, what if Nathan is down in the States with the NFL and Curtis, because of his catastrophic knee injury, winds up in the CFL? Speaking of players that have signed... The Blue Bombers have done some work lately. Jackson Jeffcoat has re-upped with the team. He has another one-year contract. The linemen in Winnipeg are kind of getting the, the gang back together. Next domino to fall, maybe Nick Dembski 
We haven't heard anything definitive on him yet, but getting Jackson Jeffcoat back with Willie Jefferson on the other side of that defensive line is a, a big asset and a big signing for the Bombers. Devontae Dedman and Lorenzo Malden have re-upped with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Malden for one year, Dedman for two. Huge signings for the Red Blacks. They're starting to come into form. David Mackey comes back to the BC Lions. We're starting to see this trickle. Reggie Bagleton is re-signed with the Stampeders. As time goes on and we get closer and closer to that free agent window, we're going to see more and more players sign. And one of the things that with this new CBA, you're incentivized to stay with the same team. After the 21 season, the Ottawa Red Blacks made a lot of changes and a lot of splashes in free agency. It didn't work out for them in 2022, but obviously Sean Burke and company see a lot of potential in the, the players that they had and are committed to bringing a lot of them back. Devontae Dedman was already a Red Black prior to that, had a opportunity to try out in the NFL, didn't work. He came back partway through last season and to sign a two-year extension with Ottawa shows his dedication to that team and to the CFL. Lorenzo Malden, outstanding defensive player of the year to come back with the Red Blacks is a huge signing and Jeremiah Mazzoli re-upping for a, a two-year contract through 2024 is big for them as well. Sadly, 2022 was cut short due to injury. So a, a two-year contract shows that he has healed well and has rehabbed and should be ready to go for this season. Elks re-sign receiver Danny Vandervoort and also the Manny Show stays in Edmonton with Emmanuel Arsenal signing a one-year extension. I'm pretty sure most teams have one or two people they'd at least like to sign big names. I don't think they're going to be like Sean Burke in Ottawa, where he's returned a good number of players to this point. But I do believe that they'll have the opportunity to, to sign a couple. What a puzzle it's going to be for the GMs. As we spoke to before, many GMs are going to have quite a puzzle, and a lot of it does start with the quarterback. I'm sure they have scenario A, B, C, and D based on which quarterback they have and the salary that they're going to pay them is going to also then dictate who else can I sign, who can I bring back, where do I need to go new. Nathan Rourke and Bo Levi Mitchell were two keys in this offseason. We've already seen Nathan Rourke is going to pursue opportunities south of the border. Hamilton has to be pushing hard right now to get a contract signed with Bo Levi Mitchell. He made it clear that he did want to test the free agent market, but we know Hamilton did make that trade to obtain his negotiating rights and on good faith are doing everything they can. Once he gets his name on a contract somewhere, that's going to be a lot of money and should give other GMs an opportunity to play with the numbers a little bit more to see what they are working with. I believe he's a, a, a keystone right now in some of these contract negotiations. Toronto Argonauts are still waiting for what decision is going to be taking, taken by McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Of course, he broke his thumb in the Grey Cup game, actually completed another long pass after doing so. Amazing. But they do have Chad Kelly under contract for this upcoming season, Ben Holmes under contract for this coming season. So they're not hurting. Bolivar Mitchell, I would trust, is on their radar if Hamilton doesn't get the contract signed with him. 
where does that leave Dane Evans, Trevor Harris? And we start to think about all the other quarterbacks that are out there. Bo Levi Mitchell has to be the front runner. I firmly believe he's going to get offers from Hamilton, obviously. If he doesn't sign there prior to free agency, the Toronto Argonauts, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, possibly even the BC Lions make a play for him as well. It looks like Trevor Harris and Montreal are on the same page as far as him returning to the Alouettes. Nothing is set in stone yet either. So I I think there's four potential landing spots for Mitchell. I have to think Hamilton is the front runner at this point. That leaves Kayle... Sorry, that leaves Dane Evans potentially going to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There's talk of uh, Cody Fajardo-Vernon Adams tandem with the BC Lions, which would be interesting to watch as well. Fajardo had played with the Lions before, signing with the Rough Riders. Dominique Davis, is he out in Montreal? Where does he land if he lands anywhere? And Caleb Evans is another one who's had some significant playing time. And, you know, if, if Toronto goes with Chad Kelly... He had a very successful audition at the end of the year. He hasn't had much other experience through the grind of the regular season. So it, it, it is a big risk. And I think they would be looking for someone to compete at that starter's position against Chad Kelly. BC Lions, of course, have a Canadian quarterback that may be expendable now of all things that we could look at by trade or by FA. Michael O'Connor, who... Started one game, got injured in that game, and never saw the field again. There's a lot of young quarterbacks in the league that that I think are going to get an opportunity based on how the free agency falls out to at least compete. Some of them, or at least one of them, is going to have to become a starter. Question is who and where. I think every GM is hoping it's not them. <laughs> well, you got to trust at some point. Ricky Ray was not a bad rookie. There, there, there's always people who do step up and do it, but we talk about the NFL being confident in the quarterbacks they have. The CFL is also a league that tends to retread these quarterbacks from place to place to place. And most GMs want to win now, so they're looking for someone with that experience. Moving from quarterbacks, what about Kenny Lawler? There's another FA that's out there. He commanded big money with the Elks last year. Will he make the same this year with, an, with the Elks or with another team? I don't think he's going to draw the same money he got last year. There was a bit of a bidding war between the Lions and the Elks for his services. He was on pace to be one of the top receivers in the CFL. He did miss a few games with injury that slowed him down a little bit. I don't know that a $300,000 contract is out there for a, a wide receiver in the CFL this coming season. It will be interesting to see where he goes. He was well sought after by the Edmonton Elks and does... Chris Jones have enough rapport with him that he is the guy that he wants back. That remains to be seen. Eugene Lewis in Montreal. He was tight with Vernon Adams Jr. Vernon Adams Jr. gets the starting job in BC. Will Eugene Lewis... It sounds like there's some dissension there with the Montreal Alouettes. Eugene Lewis doesn't believe he is getting the offers for the money that he deserves from Montreal at this point. He's been very active on social media comparing his stats to other receivers in the league, what he has done over the last five seasons, kind of throwing his resume out there, saying I'm I'm an elite receiver in this league and I deserve to be compensated as such. So have things soured between him and Danny Machocha? It appears that maybe they have. There is a big name in BC that just retired this year in Brian Burnham. So that might free up some money for those Lions to go after somebody like a Lawler 
or like a Eugene Lewis. The Argonauts was one team that had gone after free agents hard the last two seasons. Ryan Dinwiddie, in an interview on Three Down Nation, said that's not going to happen this year. They don't see that. So that means they've got to re-sign people like Andrew Harris, Curly Gittens Jr., Juwan Breskison, Devaris Daniels, Jagarit Davis. There's a lot of good name talent in Toronto. Shaquille Robertson, Eric Rogers, although Eric Rogers may be at the end of his career. Robbie Smith. The, the Argonauts have a ton of humanity that they have to re-sign, but they are the Grey Cup champions, and this is one of the problems that Winnipeg, I'm sure, faced a little bit when you win the Grey Cup. Guys tend to look for a little bit of extra dollars. They are going to want more, and at some point, I think Toronto also has to say, okay, at what point do we start a bit more of a youth movement, picking a few players that they're not going to re-sign and bring some players up so that they can not get too old. We've seen that in Hamilton, I think, where where maybe stayed with the players a bit long and they just weren't as successful this last year. Speaking of Hamilton, you got Julian Hauser, Micah Johnson, Ted Laurent, Simone Lawrence, Jamal Roll, Javon Santos Knox, Sean Thomas Erlington, you can Tim White, you can go up and down their list. There's a lot of good talent there that's going to be coming available. And one of the things that could be a linchpin for the Tiger Cats is who is going to be their quarterback. A lot of guys will sign up if they see a quarterback such as Bo Levi Mitchell at the helm, who's been a Grey Cup champion, who knows how to get it done. That's a winning opportunity. It is. The stability of some teams goes a long way. We we do see Winnipeg signing those core guys. And I, I believe a, a big part of that is the fact that Zach Kolaris signed a three-year contract extension during the season. So he already committed to that team. We're seeing a lot of those other key players on the offensive and defensive lines, especially re-up at this point. And you're going to see more of those guys stick around. It really speaks to the culture that they have built and those relationships. I, I believe there's a lot of those guys that are leaving some extra money on the table that they could maybe make with other teams, but they believe in what they have built and that they're ready for another championship run. Stan Peters, who have been perennial powerhouses in the West, they've got a lot. Eli Buka is out there. Jameer Thurman, another one that is a massive defensive player. Sean Bain, who really broke into his own this year. Brandon Dozier. I don't know how much movement we're going to see. And to see a team like Hamilton not have any free agent signed, it tells you how dependent they are upon paying for the big-name talent. Because without Bo Levi Mitchell signing, they can't afford to go and sign the other guys and have too much money out on certain players. So it's all dependent on some of those linchpins. And and I think when free agency opens, we're going to see a plethora of signings in the first little bit when people find out, this is where I fall. This is the money I'm going to be commanding from a variety of teams. So do I want to go somewhere new for five or 10,000 more? Am I ticked off at the GM enough to take that move? Isn't not... 2023, the first year where we see an American become part of the national spots on the roster, that will be significant. So Nick Marshall re-signs with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's been with the Rough Riders his whole career. Does he become that guy? There's others that are obviously eligible, but it, it's just a thought. If you've been around, I think it's three years with your team, and you've been five in the league, you can have that opportunity. And that is going to be a carrot that a few guys are going to really think about because that gives you some certainty. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're a player. 
I'm really interested to watch the linebacker free agents coming up. Darnell Sankey and Larry Dean with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are potential free agents. Some very solid all-star caliber linebackers that are going to be looking for new contracts coming up here shortly. And turning this back to quarterbacks before we get away from it, Nick Arbuckle, is his career over in the CFL? Does he back up Jeremiah Mazzoli? Does it mean that Caleb Evans is going to be re-signed over Arbuckle? What what becomes of Nick Arbuckle? Because he was a storyline from 2019 forward. He's been a disappointment, I guess, in, in his last few years. He just hasn't had the opportunity to come in and be successful, whether that's the schemes he's playing in or whether that comes to his skill set, I guess, is more for the coaches and GM to decide. But there was a time where, much like Jake Mayer in Calgary, he was going to be the next guy who's going to start somewhere and have a successful career. And we have not seen that yet. I think some teams will take a look at him as a backup. I don't think they're going to pay him starting money. If you've got a team that's going to go with someone young, for example, Toronto decides that Chad Kelly is going to be their guy, he would be a serviceable backup, someone who could step in, who has experience, and if Chad Kelly falters, could add something to the team. Nick Arbuckle is a real enigma in the CFL, and unfortunately for him, some of his situations have been a timing thing where he hasn't got the opportunity to start, one of them being a cancelled season other ones being mid-season moves where you've already got a backup quarterback familiar with an offense, maybe not the guy that a team is necessarily going to want. Case in point, the Ottawa Red Blacks, once Jeremiah Mazzoli went down, but it's not a situation where he's got that playbook already memorized and getting the opportunity. He's coming in cold to a new team, having to learn the way by the time he gets up to speed on those offensive schemes, the season has either run out or or he a starter has come back and he's lost that chance. Remember that he was in Toronto, started the season with the Argonauts. His coach from Calgary, Ryan Dinwiddie, was there already and brought him along. And yet, even in that circumstance, he found his way out of town. What is it about Nick Arbuckle that he just doesn't seem to fit? The NFL is in its playoffs and they're taking a cue from the CFL. Something that's been done for a couple of years now in the Canadian Football League is if there's a quick review available to the uh, guys in the booth to check a play before too much goes on in the field, they can do that to determine where a ball should be spotted, if a, which team was offside, an incompletion, if it's painfully obvious that there was a mistake, they can quick review that and get that fixed. The NFL is doing that in their playoffs. It's great for the league. It's great to get those plays right, especially in my opinion, whether it's a a completion or an incomplete pass. We often see players diving at the ball and sometimes it's away from the on-field officials that don't have the best angle. They're, they're, They're basing their decision on what they believe they saw. But once you get a booth review that can see they had their hands under the ball for a brief moment, but did not maintain it through the ground, and they call it an incomplete pass, it does make it more enjoyable to watch because you know they are making those right decisions. If you can jump on it, do it. Get it out of the way so that the game has a nice flow to it. The CFL is getting very good at that. The NFL is learning this, 
And as they go through, they're probably going to get more adept. It's going to be good. The other interesting thing, and this may or may not happen, and most people are probably aware, is that if Kansas City and Buffalo make it to the AFC final, they're not playing in either center. They're playing in Atlanta. This all comes about from that DeMar Hamlin tragic moment. This has nothing to do with the incident and nothing to do with that game. But for whatever reason, the ownership group in the NFL decided, well, we better right the ship somehow. Ugh. <laughs> I, I don't care for it. Why are you meddling in a in a standings? The, if they just left well enough alone, by percentage alone, Kansas City wins the AFC. So they had every right to be the home team. They didn't do this with Buffalo and Cincinnati. Cincinnati goes or went to Buffalo, depending on when you're listening to this, and yet had Cincinnati, who was leading at the time of the incident, been allowed to finish the game and maybe win it, they would have been the home team. And yet there seemed to be no redress for that. And this is the problem. When you start monkeying with how things should be, where do you start? Where do you stop? And this is where the NFL, I think, got caught out. I would have rather seen it come down to some sort of formula or even a coin flip, rock, paper, scissors, draw to the button, whatever you want to go with, as opposed to a neutral site game. One of the big things in playoff football is those home field atmospheres that you get. The championship game, 100% neutral site, it allows the league to build on it all season long. It allows people to plan vacation schedules and travel to get to the games. It allows media to organize themselves to get everybody there that they need to. But there needs to be a way for that championship, the the conference championship game to be in one of those two cities. It's it's a tough situation. And there's a very good chance that it is going to be Kansas City and Buffalo in that conference final. So a little bit of a sad situation that it's going to go to Atlanta. I'm sure based on the season the Falcons had, they'll love to see playoff football in Atlanta, but it just won't be the same atmosphere. If it was going to be in Kansas City, as you allude to, Don, which better record they should have it, uh, I can see doing something like splitting it. In, in a neutral site game, you're going to split the revenue between the two teams as well. Well, maybe make that change instead and split the revenue with a home team hosting. Because I agree, Keith, that's why we want those home games. It's the atmosphere. It's incredible. The town can get behind them. And, and you work all year for that position. And to arbitrarily make a decision like that, I think that's Bush League, to be honest. Atlanta from Kansas City is about 15% in terms of distance closer than it is from Buffalo. The one other thing that we have to remember too is Atlanta's a dome stadium and it's on turf. Kansas City plays open air, so does Buffalo, but Kansas City plays on grass. It impacts the game. And I just don't think it's right, fair, equitable. And it seemed to me that the team that had nothing to do with anything is now being pushed around. Kansas City wasn't on the field. Kansas City played their schedule. That's the whole point of having a regular season is to determine who fits where. This is like the old days of deciding college champions when the president of the United States said, well, Nebraska is the best team. They must be the winner. It, it just doesn't make any sense. You, 
Why are you playing a regular season then and determining who wins and loses based on 60 minutes or overtime in play? And then all of a sudden at the end, near the end of the season, someone can just sit down at a board meeting and say, well, we don't want that. The only neutral site I could probably even somewhat live with if it was to go to a neutral site would have been Las Vegas. And I know that was on the table as well that was offered. And the reason I say Las Vegas is because A, it's easy to travel to from anywhere in the United States. B, hotel bookings aren't going to be an issue. There's going to be hotel rooms available in Las Vegas. You could have the opportunity for both team supporters to travel to that site. It's also an open air stadium. Now the weather is going to be drastically different in Las Vegas compared to Kansas City or certainly Buffalo, but you do get that outdoor element as well. That would have been my vote had my opinion mattered at all and and had I been looking at a neutral site situation. But best case scenario would be that one of these two teams loses this round of the playoffs and we don't have to go down that road. One of the things that has come out of this as well is that if this goes well and there's a good audience at the game, a good audience on television to watch it, the NFL may consider moving their NFC and AFC championship games to neutral sites. Why are you finishing first overall? Owners are setting a dangerous precedent. Like Situations like Hamlin are not going to happen all the time. But if you start moving the other way, I think it's ridiculous. Like you're going to you're going to start having it all in the big media markets. You know, if you're a small town, you're Green Bay. What what's your opportunity to host? They're going to take the game to Green Bay in the, in the middle of winter? No. Yeah, at that point you might as well arbitrarily decide that hey, this this AFC East is going to host this year and West like that that that's garbage. <laughs> There's no point in doing that. Let the teams compete. There has to be a reason for the regular season. Interestingly, We've just been through the immaculate reception. The reason why Pittsburgh was the home team that day is because there was a rotation for which division got the final, and it was their turn. Oakland coming into that game had the better record. So maybe experience is a teacher. So the reason it changed was to give the team with the best record the advantage that they have earned. I'm all for the one playoff change that they have made in bringing in the extra wild card and giving the number one overall team, that home field advantage, and the buy. I, I think that's something that you earn through your regular season record. Home field advantage should go hand in hand with that. It probably won't matter, but I'm a big one on having integrity in the regular season and what it means. If you go through with this, a lot of people are just going to be excited and think it's a great idea, which is fine. It may be, ultimately, but I just weep a little bit for another peg coming out of the regular season and it starts to stumble a little bit more in its meaningfulness to determine who can be a champion. If we can continue to rag on the NFL schedule a little bit, which people do enough of the CFL schedule, so it's time to turn the tables a little bit. Having an odd number of regular season games is a bit of a conundrum as well because now you've got teams playing eight at home and nine on the road or vice versa. And that comes into play when you look at regular season standings as well. So as much as people grumble about a balanced or non-balanced schedule in the CFL, having an extra home game goes a long way in determining your overall record. Why they didn't jump straight to 18, I will never understand. Thank you for listening to our show. 
Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.